At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? It's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. Welcome to the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 34, raw, uncensored, and unfiltered, just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences, supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this blasphemy, we were joined by Martina Marcotta, aka Lady Alchemy a talented performance artist who, like the ancient Gnostics, hides heretical views even as she expresses them symbolically in her art form. We discuss hermetic vision in modern performance art and burlesque. We covered symbolism, expression, and meaning in alchemy, the Sun Lady of Revelation, comic books, the goddess archetype, and more. There are heretics everywhere, and they are all different. And I treasure each one of them as I treasure each one of you. Sophia, blessings for those of you who continually support. I can't do it without you. Please continue to help me grow this red pill cafeteria. We need gnosis more than ever, needless to say, and we've only just begun reaching those who need to wake up. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or guests and their insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. And FYI, our next show will have another brilliant woman, Laura London. 
she'll materialize at the virtual Alexandria to give us two and a half hours of Carl Jung. You'll be on the road to individuation after this one. So don't go anywhere, because we've only just begun thriving in this age of Hermes and his alchemical madness. But enough of my short drivel. Let us to our latest AB Live. The Empire Never Ended. live wow it's so fast hey, really, we're live we're live <laughs> it's alive it's alive <laughs> it's alive indeed <laughs> awesome well uh as i always say happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real this is aeon bite our live show and uh episode 34 and uh as always this will well it's obviously live but the uh, recording will be afterwards and for everyone else we will have the audio version which i will put out on itunes iHeartRadio, and all the podcasters of your choice i will of course be repeating this as uh the audience starts to come into the chat session for those of you who don't know, if you have any questions, please write them in caps. Please write them in a question with question marks, and we will advance, and I will do our best to get them to our guest. And very honored tonight, our guest is Martina Mercota, Lady Alchemy. Big fan of your work, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much. It's so nice to hear that. Oh yeah, it's great to have. Me. I don't, I don't normally see a lot of uh, other esoteric type people that know all the symbolism. So this will be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yes. I, uh, I guess the backstory is a while. It was a while ago, and I was doing research for. Obviously, like you, I love the Sun Lady and the whole Hermetic. And I saw some of your pictures of the Sun Lady. I was like, oh my god, this is it. This is my template. So then I started following your work and I'm like, wow, you really, you get this stuff and you're really Thank into you. this stuff and yeah. you express it uh, better than anyone, I would say for me. So you are, you. you're very A.M. Bite and uh, glad, of course, I'll always simp for Sophia and the Sun Lady and all that. I admit it. And uh, somebody nice. else who likes to simp for the goddess too is Vance. How are you doing, Vance? Uh, I'm fine. Uh just waiting for a very interesting evening former rosicrucian here so hopefully this will jog my memory about all the symbols and stories and alchemical things and so forth awesome awesome good to hear well the again the audience is starting to come into the chat room again if you have questions please write them in caps or put question marks we will get to them hey jack hey brett perlman there Hey, oh my God, Van Saatchi, how are you doing? I see you there too. So awesome. Well, Martina, let's uh, talk about you. Um, you uh, started, you're what, born and raised in New York, right? Yeah, that's right. First generation American, born and raised in New York. And yeah. you uh, were raised uh, Roman Catholic or what was your, your religion yeah, that's, your parents? Yeah, that's right. Roman Catholic because um, I'm first generation. My mom and my sister, my father everyone is uh croatian 
So if you know anything about Croatians, they're pretty Roman Catholic. Pretty, yeah. pretty cool. So when did you decide to go into, you might say, alternative forms of spirituality? When right, you, right. When did you become a heretic? Exactly. Yeah, um, it's funny. I can't pinpoint the date, but I mean, it's been decades. I'm, I'm almost 35. Uh, so it, it's since I was a teenager, I've been into alchemy and the esoteric stuff. And I remember the more I started researching and you know how you get into it. I think they, they say it in, in the Albedo uh, phase the, the or the Catapavonis or something that there's some sort of, you can get stuck in there and be kind of almost like delusional and feel like too positive almost. And you got to round that out with the uh, xanthosis or whatever. So I kind of did that when I was researching, was like really into it. I really felt like all this stuff and it was expressing myself everywhere with my family all the time. I'm like cooking. Oh, it's alchemy. This is alchemy. And my family would laugh when I would go, Oh, it's alchemy. <laughs> Cause this just became my catchphrase, but calling things alchemy, like cooking and all these various things that I could see the connections and my mother being Catholic. Yeah. Was definitely kind of upset and thought it was heresy and uh, I mean you know there's the study of Kabbalah and all those like different things and uh, when I would get into something I remember one time putting is it Yom Kippur or something where it's like new beginnings or, or it's like the a new yeah new beginnings and I have found this really lovely thing uh, about it and I put it on the fridge I just thought it was really spiritual and beautiful and my mom's like why can't you begin to things that I raised you you know but I didn't take it as like trying to find other religions it ended up making me more appreciative of my Catholic faith but it was less uh, I call it basic bitch Catholicism, uh, just following rules and doctrines. It was more of like really truly understanding what Jesus was talking about, truly understanding what uh, Christ, you know, and that Christ consciousness is about and, and all of those studies. It really, I, I started to view it, the Catholicism at an angle in a different way and have a greater appreciation for it. So, Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, well, Vance and I obviously were raised Catholic too. And of course, I went through the whole thing uh, First Communion, yeah. all the rites and everything else, confirmation. Yeah. Were you confirmed too? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I did that a little bit late, later than normal. I think you do that like when you're a kid, but I did it. I yeah, I was like 22. Year. I was late. Yeah. Wow. I think maybe a little bit younger. And my mom was, yeah, she was very traditional Catholic. My dad was an atheist, but uh, she certainly believed in the whole ecumenical thing. She didn't have a problem. As long as I did everything Catholic, I could play around with the other stuff. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think she now appreciates it and understands it a little bit more because out of all my like five siblings, uh, the my mom and I do get into spiritual conversations about God and, and all sorts of stuff or Jesus and the Catholic faith and how great it is. So I think she's seen the full circle and appreciates now that I've dove into the, the study of, I don't know, it's weird. I guess it's spiritual and philosophical it's everything 
Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you, you can always get into arguments, like you said, the Christ consciousness, how mystical Jesus was to the first century Christians. And then you can always throw things like, well, did you know that Alberto Magna, St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas' mentor was an alchemist? And mm -hmm. St. Thomas probably did alchemy, and yeah. it was pretty, sort of even spiritual alchemy was prevalent in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I mean, I got into a not a fight, but um, I, I think I lost a friend over it because she was very Catholic. And she said to me at one point, hey, listen, she saw me take a picture in a Masonic Lodge. And uh, she said, hey, listen, you need to cut the alchemy stuff out. It's heresy. Um, I can't be friends with you if you keep doing that. And I was like, I mean, I am Lady Alchemy. This is like something I've been doing for a long time and I truly believe it's good. And I, whenever I get a lot of like super Christian people try to say it's demonic or satanic or I'm following some sort of evil thing, I can't, I mean, I would like them to point to anywhere whenever I go through any of the stuff where they talk about anything dark or evil or, or bad. It's always about the light, you know, God and and good things. So as soon as it, it starts going down a dark path, uh, sure, I'll, I'll acknowledge that, but I haven't seen that myself. But no, her excuse was that the, uh, the, the papal, how do you say it? It's like papal, uh, they, they banned it or they, they declared it like bad at some point the the papacy, but I'm not so concerned about the Pope as, as a Catholic I, or even the church so much. I'm more into just like the deeper esoteric study of Catholicism. Right, right. And who were some of your influences younger and as you were seeking spirituality, whether real or historical, who influenced or informed your views? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. What started, people always ask, like, how did this alchemy stuff start? Um, I mean, I studied math. I was going to be a math teacher. Uh, and I was also an artist. I, I took a lot of fine art stuff when I was younger. So I always had an appreciation for like Leonardo da Vinci, who's not just, he's not just uh, an artist. I mean, he worked for like the government making machinery and, uh, he, you know, he's a scientist. He was all sorts of stuff. But then I found some weird video and information about him being into the esoteric stuff and alchemy and how he really... Oh, yeah. Yeah, was this like inventor of a lot of stuff that was, I mean, you had to have un understood alchemy and the chemistry of things to really, uh, to do what he did. And also Isaac Newton, as far as math goes, and he was also a known alchemist <laughs> to the grave. And I think that if those two really genius people were obsessed with this idea. And my whole life, I've always had people like brush it off. Like, it's so silly. Like, you know, that's debunked, you know, it's pseudoscience. And I'm just like, okay, you're smarter than Leonardo da Vinci and Isaac Newton. Got it. Cool. Like, well, if they were obsessed with it till their death, there's gotta be something to it. So, uh, those two. And then as you study a little bit more, there's, um, I read this book on like St. Germain. It was really interesting. Uh, Nicholas Flamel um, is always great. Every once in a while, things pop up, and you're just like, oh, alchemy. There's an alchemist there. Indeed, indeed. And um, when did you decide to, as we get to the union of uh, art and alchemy, or the esoteric, what, when did you decide or to become more a performing artist? 
Yeah, so I was studying math and at the university, I was also like the lead in all the plays. I, I always liked art. I mean, I always had the math art thing. And so I remember when I was going to go to college, I was looking at some art schools or whatever, but I realized forcing yourself to do art is, I don't know, I didn't like that. <laughs> you know, it's like studying it and having to do things like a certain way and and whatever, I was like, I, I don't think that's really my path. I'm a really good math teacher, and I think I would really enjoy that. And it's a smarter choice if you're going to go to college to do something more math or business related instead of like artsy or something. You can always do that on your own, but uh, or take some electives, you know. Uh, but yeah, so I always had that duality in me. And when I was studying all the math, I was like doing plays, and so I got that performing bug again and uh i would go to the city and i did like a lot of pinup modeling because i really you know have that, that style and that vibe so i did some pinup modeling and with that pinup modeling crew and scene this burlesque goes you know hands in hand with that a lot of vintage kite type stuff and i like performing more than modeling it's more dynamic so I was asked if I wanted to do some burlesque and I was like, yeah, sure. And I did the whole typical classic burlesque, the really cheesy, like, ta-da, kind of thing. But as uh, I started to do that, I started to miss my nerdy math, weird alchemy side. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, I'm, it, there's two separate halves that I, I needed to make whole. And it just clicked to me that I can become lady alchemy i can bring the alchemy to the performing and it was great because that it's a catalyst for so much inspiration i mean we all are aware of like all the imageries the symbolism the deep lore that alchemy has that can be taken to stage and costuming and visuals it's great like so great i mean i'm not a writer so i can't write a book on alchemy i'm not uh you know, an illustrator, I'm not going to make pictures about alchemy, but I'm a performer. So that was my way of keeping the tradition alive. Yeah, and it's a great one because, I mean, even in ancient times, I mean, you like math, you like art, you like spirituality. So, like, well, you're kind of a neo-Pythagorean in a way. You're probably seeing the universe as the, this, uh, this the harmony of numbers. And, of course, to get into Plato's Academy, I think what you had to know geometry and you had to know music. So mm. this is sort of, you know, the integrity, you know, the, the whole mind was really somebody who could do that, which would not be me because uh, math is not my thing. So I would have to skip that one. I think Vance, you would be more because you're into math and the occult. Yep, was my major. So oh, I nice. understand the, yeah, I understand the uh, confluence between things like alchemy and math and science and so yeah, when I would study calculus and all that, I mean, I was surprised sometimes because I would get into conversations with other classmates. And I remember getting into a conversation with like an atheist and he viewed mm -hmm. math as like proof that like God doesn't exist because we can, you know, it's all in the math. But to me, I was like confused. I was like, to me, the math is proof that something mystical is, does exist. Like there's something crazy going on creating all this stuff. So it's interesting to me it was definitely seeking deeper into god's like formula and like what he created so yeah, a lot of people think oh the universe is mathematical but actually math is universal it's mm -hmm. it's a language that we use to model right. what's out there not 
that the universe is created by a bunch of formulas that we made up. So right. And that goes into science, on. which is what alchemy is the precursor to science. Yeah. There be no science without alchemy. There'd be no chemistry, alchemy with, yeah. without alchemy. And uh, I just find it interesting the the, cult or the religion of science, uh, modern science right now, how they, they use it to like disprove things or disprove mystical things. And I just find it bizarre because the whole premise of science is to take an unknown and have this concept and think, well, we have no idea what this shit is. Let's try to understand it, which is what I think you're saying what math does. There's this crazy world and we're trying to understand yeah. it through the math. And that's what science is trying to understand this crazy world and make sense of it. And it all starts with an unknown. It all starts with something that's not proven. So there's many other things that aren't proven yet. And we'll get to it through science. I don't think that that's the definitive answer of something is real or not. Yeah, most people don't realize that there's a Gödel's theorem and and mathematical logic proves that no logical system can totally encompass something that's uh, you know something that's real. You know, mm. it's it's every logical system is inconsistent within itself, and you have, mm. to have a bigger one in order to solve that, and it keeps going infinitely. So oh, I love that. I'm going to look yep. into that one. Yeah, Gödel's G uh, O the dot umlau. Uh, DEL, Gödel's yeah. theorem. No, to me, I think that quantum physics is showing that there's mystical things happening because there's things that quantum physics is like, okay, all the rules we thought we knew don't make any sense on a quantum level. And, you know, that whole, if there's a tree, I don't know if you know about quantum physics and the double slit experiment, but basically yep. they shoot the particles and it's like if it's being observed, it acts uh, differently than when right. it's not being observed. And that shows like there's weird shit happening or quantum oh, yeah. entanglement and stuff. Yeah, reality is not what we think it is by observing, you know, observing it on the quantum level. I mean, on the, on the macro level. Right. And uh, for the audience, again, as the chat room continues to grow, if you have any questions, please let us know. And we have with us, for those of you who are late, we have Martina Mercada, a.k.a. Lady Alchemy. So as far as um, Lady Alchemy, when did this persona or this archetypal image start to come out? When did you decide to embrace it as you were, what, pursuing a career in performance art? Um, yeah, well, like I said, there was like that duality of like the art and math and, uh, the performing and math. And I kind of clicked and made sense. I mean, that was around 2010. So 10 years ago, I decided to do that. And, um, I don't know, I created a business, an LLC called Magnum Opus Productions, because it's my great work. And Lady Alchemy works under that. So I just like to have all those little pieces that make sense if you really know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I guess 2010, I just started to do it. And you just keep snowballing and become more and more in love with sharing the work, the great work in your own personal way. I mean, I find it fascinating, too, because when I first started, it was so obscure and everyone was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, the artwork was cool, but if I started to get deeper into like what it represents, people are like, okay, 
like that's a little like too much. But nowadays, I'm seeing it get a little more pop. People are really seeing alchemy a lot more. Really? Of it. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like now when I do like you mentioned the Negretto piece, like there's other people that get it. Is this? Those people are like they understand the symbolism. And uh, that's exciting to see. But some people don't understand the symbolism. And then when I explain it or they start digging deeper into what it is that I, that I was doing, they're like, okay, mind blown. I just went down that rabbit hole. So that's exciting to do. You know, it's not just about creating something that people can recognize right away and reaffirm what they believe, but to have people, that's the whole point of, of you know, the tradition and passing it on is to keep it alive. And you need other people that don't know about it to know about it exactly exactly and i like what you said uh about why you do it uh, i mean in a way it is a form of magic and ex- it's an expression of art but you say you like to gather the energy of the audience which any artist does i mean right. whether you're a rock singer or a poet and it's almost like then you you filter that energy and you put it back to the audience. So in a way, you are doing alchemy. That's the whole transformation. Yeah, that's the exciting part, too, is that there's so many layers and <laughs> it's alchemy. It's all alchemy all the time. That's exactly right. I mean, I have noticed other performers. Sometimes you get into this. I mean, a true good performer does this alchemy without realizing it. They do exactly what you're saying. They they take something, they create something, and it's feeding the audience. It's giving back like all the energy that they're getting from the audience, their attention. Their attention is the magic to work with. And what do you do with their attention? The, a really good artist tends to like give back and, and they go home happy. And they're just like, wow, what a great show. You know? So they do it not intentionally knowing that it's alchemy it's kind of like math there's calculus and things happening in the world but you don't have to know it in order for it to be occurring um but when you do see it you're like oh i noticed what's happening there um but yeah i definitely look at it as a ritual and as a magical act that uh when i have the audience's attention to send like a vibration back out to them. And I think people feel that. I think they really do. And do you think this can be a negative way? Do you think some artists abuse this energy or drain the energy from uh, their audience in a vampire way or? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what the point of like the spirit cooking talk was that we had a few years ago. Um, So I think that there can be, magical acts of performances that the audience unknown to the audience is probably doing something negative. Um, but it's funny you say that because in my comic book, that's, that's what's happening. Um, I have these, these bitches that are taking the audience's energy, uh, while I give energy to the audience. So I definitely use that aspect of the, positive and negative side of performing um and the magic involved with that Mm, awesome well we want to get to your comic book but more a little bit about your art so when you are creating a piece of art a performance art what goes into do you get inspired do you look at old texts i mean what exactly goes into i mean of course i've talked uh 
well, my one of my favorite pieces is Negretto, and uh, I think it's just it's incredible. As we were talking before, I can't wait to see one day to see Rubetto and all those and see yeah. what happens to the to the heroine because the ending is pretty stark. But of course, I know that you know the journey of the of Inan and Sophia through the spheres. There's always the underworld, yeah. the destruction, the pain, all that stuff, and then there's the so, um, but what goes into your thought process of creating this art? Yeah, it, it varies. Um, sometimes it can be a song that I end up just being so inspired by that it just, I naturally start to think of weird things to do with it. Sometimes it starts with the concept and uh, I find right song and, and thing to do with it. I mean, I have one performance that, that and costume you may have seen it, where I'm covered in red roses, and that's my Rossiturin costume. I'm not a part of the order. I'm not a part of any uh, order, but uh, I I liked the concept of just like the roses, and that had um, it's a rose cross, you know, rosy cross, and so the cross is like you know the T pose, the human body, and just covered in roses. I even had red hair at the time. <laughs> So uh, that was just like visually striking, which I felt like could resonate with people, but it had like an undertone of symbolism if you knew about the rosy cross um, and, you know, the roses, you know, they symbolize the spirit unfolding and the layers and all that. So, you know, that was like, I think inspired more, more by the costuming. I thought roses really pretty and I could do something with the rosy cross. Uh, Negretto. Uh, was originally a collaboration with someone that I had a falling out with. But, um, yeah, we had just, like, wanted to do something weird, but I don't really like to just do a random weird performance. Um, it has to have something deeper to it. So we created that kind of concept, but for me, how did I put It's like an actor, you know, you have your... Um, what is it called when an actor has like their motivation or something, uh, their intent, what's their intent. That's kind of what I had to do to do that performance. It was a live performance in an art gallery. So there was an audience there while I did it. And so it was a one time in an art gallery, boom, do, do what we rehearsed <laughs> kind of thing. And I never rehearsed it with the paints, you know? No yeah. way. Oh, good. Cause I yeah. was thinking it's like, rehearsal for the audience that uh, we want i'd like to play some videos but yeah, this sure. one's like eight minutes long is it there's a one minute version on my website if you want to check that one. yeah let's try it let's yeah. try the one minute and then you can kind of explain do you want me to do it or do you want to do it i think you can share screen um let's see that way you can be so, in control lady-alchemy.com is the website and then let me do a screen share. Uh, is that working? Do you see my screen? No, I don't. Do you, Ben? Did you hit share screen oh, yet? No, not host yet. Is, yeah, it says it's disabled by the host. All right. So, ah, I don't even know how to give you. How do I give you the power? Let's see. Uh, ta -ta -ta. Okay, I'm going to make you the host. So. The power. Yes, now you're the host. Now you have complete power of AM Byte. Uh, <laughs> you can make this your show and talk about anything. I that's wanna... so funny. Um, okay, can you guys see that? Yes. Yes. All right, so I'm going to go to performance art, installations. Um, is this the full one? 
I don't think so. Ooh, sorry, let me turn this. I have to change this video, actually. This audio is a bit harsh in the beginning. Um, but yeah, this is the one minute one. Awesome. And for those of you who will be listening to the audio version, you'll have to go to uh, Lady Alchemy on YouTube and watch. She's got the full one and the minute one. So Yeah, I would recommend the full one, actually, because uh, although it's you know eight minutes long, it's kind of long. It's worth it because the slow buildup really has that impact of like, wow, like by the end of it, you'll be like, oh, my God. <laughs> But it was better in person. It was better live, I swear. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was awesome. And I'm glad you didn't have to, because I was like, does she have to rehearse it every time with that black goo and <laughs> throwing it up? That's not good. That can't be easy. Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't. Sorry, go ahead. No, cut, cut. Take it all over again yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> Once again, yeah. <laughs> One hour yeah. later when you get Brady again. Yeah, no, I mean, we rehearsed it like, because uh, there was a sequence of what happened. So when you watch the full one, you'll see, uh, and it's it's funny because the beginning of that video is uh, Moonlight Sonata slowed down 800%. So it's really cool if you like can hear it. And uh, it it starts out all in the whites and it's kind of like uh, in Negretto. So Negretto is the first phase of the alchemical process. It's a burning, a purging, a blackening phase the coming face to face with your demons. And so, uh, like I said, we created this like piece, but I was like, this is Negretto. You know, this is how I am embodying this piece. And that was the motivation for me. And that's what it represented for me. And um, so it started out in the white, but it was kind of about, she came, I say she, Lady Alchemy, um, came up to sit in that uh, vanity and did, did makeup, put the makeup on, you know, looking at your face. There's a lot of that. There's the corsetry, there's the relaxing. So there was that sequence and that was meant to be the kind of the, the material world. You know, it's the material world. It's obsessed with the beauty and the makeup and, and this materialness. And then what happened was, um, uh, the black started coming out of the mouth. So it comes from within and it like just started coming out of the mouth. And then when I go to put the lotion on, the lotion on the skin, it was like black. And I just started like, like the black started consuming me. And I, 
I took off all the corsetry and everything and just got really wild. And then when it started to get weird, the music is actually the dial-up, internet dial-up tone slowed down 800%. So when you watch oh, wow. the long one, it's really cool. The audio is so weird, but it's the internet. And you can hear that now when, you, when I tell you that. But uh, yeah, and then there's just the blackness starts consuming and that's kind of how it is when you're just so focused on like the perfectness and the material world and the makeup and then just like to let all of that go and be consumed by the blackness it was just really empowering and uh that's that's what the piece is about well and could you say that it's also sort of like uh the union shadow we repress things we don't look at them we go about our material life and something clicks something happens a family member or a noise yeah. or a sound or maybe some some people it's a tragedy and all this shit comes up the, yeah. the darkness and it just it swallows it whole swallows yeah. us whole which at the end you're just sort of staring with this sort of demonic look at the audience like yeah that was part of the I sequence of, of rehearsing too is uh just like at the end just standing there and just looking around at everybody uh, it was actually a really funny little fun fact is that when I did that, I had like an assistant with a robe ready to like come up and bring me a robe to put on. And uh, I got into that position and, and stood there and did the thing. And he came up and he came up to me, but I was supposed to stand there for a solid like few minutes. And just, it's an art piece. So I'm just like standing there just like, like this. I was supposed to do it for much longer. And he came up right at that part thinking that was the end. And I go, not yet <laughs> and he goes <laughs> and he like ran off <laughs> so yeah awesome and any questions from the audience about this piece or anything else fans that you see yeah um someone was asking about uh pointed out that um it was about putrefaction is that right did you already go over that yeah the putrefication uh yeah, right yeah i think that is that I think that's part of the first phase, the because oh, there's like a few different steps and some of the old uh, alchemy lithographs, you can see it because there's calcination is also one of the first steps of like the of seven or something. I'm not sure if putrefication is a separate step or if that's part of the first one, but yeah, that's what comes to mind for me is all anything else yeah they have uh, symbolically or whatever you want to point out because i know you've already spoken about it um you know in the last few minutes i think that's it you think the white is like the the virgin state in the beginning you know it's, is that um part of it well the white is actually supposed to be the second phase the albedo but ah. the white in this piece it, it just makes for a better contrast. But if you watch the full piece, you can see that there's like a beautiful dress and I actually come on stage with no makeup. And I am just, I spend quite a bit of time putting the makeup on, looking at the face, like putting lotion on and like just being kind of obsessed with the uh, material world. And I think that's what creates the uh, duality. Like that, that great change occurs where it's like, that doesn't matter anymore. It's like, you're being consumed by this blackness and just coming full in onto it. And just that feeling that you get out of it. And that's the thing about performance art. I think uh, Miguel, what, one of your questions was about just performance art in general. And that's what I think it is too. I like visual, I like aesthetics. So yeah, there's that aspect. But I think by the end of that video, you 
the audience gets a feeling of something <laughs> and you're just kind of like, wow, okay. And uh, that is, I think, the powerful element of what the Negretto piece does. It kind of makes you go, wow, okay, I feel different now. And somebody asked what gallery was it? I saw that. Um, it was in the video, what was it called? Colony Studios in Brooklyn. Colony. Awesome. And I think uh, my other favorite one, as I've mentioned in the emails, is, of course, Nephilim. Of course, well, because I like you, uh, the Nephilim are just so interesting. I'm not going to say good, bad, cool, whatever, but it's the Nephilim. And uh, your performance, I think, is just, uh, it's, it really is amazing. I love it. Uh, how did you come up with that one? I guess we should, that one's pretty long, and it's... Uh, well, what are you doing? You've got the, the, the feathers and you're doing the dance with the red hair. I mean, you've got the whole Nephilim outfit right there. Yeah, I think it depends because I did that for many, many years. Um, and I've had various versions of it. And I have some really fantastic versions that unfortunately I don't have any footage of because in New York City, performing arts is like, not everything's filmed. Not everyone focuses on that. It's like live performance is what New York is about. And a lot of times I get so focused on my live performance that I haven't bothered to get something filmed. Um, so it sucks. But um, yeah, I created that one around 2011 because I found out that I had this really rare blood type, the uh, RH negative blood. And then I found out when I get pregnant that I have to get this like shot uh, if I have like a positive baby and a positive guy. Um, <clears throat> otherwise my body will physically attack the fetus and kill it because it's oh my like, God. yeah, it's uh, the RH factor has, with pregnancy is like really important. And so I was kind of like, what the hell? Like I thought I was pretty desirable as far as Darwin goes, you know, wide hips, survived childbirth. Like I thought I had everything like, you know, good. Except and you're a I demon. <laughs> yeah and then except the rh factor my blood was like wait a minute like that's not good for procreation like doesn't that mean i'm like not desirable like wh what's going on here like what is my blood all about so i started researching it a little bit more and i found that um animals in nature when those same complications with pregnancy occurs it's when there's two uh, they're crossbreeding and i was like what are we different two different kind of human beings coexisting and crossbreeding and no one's talking about this like what's going on mm. so i started researching more and that's when i found like the old testament the book of enoch and stuff and they start talking about the uh, nephilim or the um what is it sons of god and daughters of man uh procreating creating the the nephilim right the uh. different uh, hybrid race and they brought knowledge of alchemy and i was like <laughs> metallurgy makeup yeah. makeup warfare uh and i was like oh my god that's me like <laughs> i am a, a nephilim I'm, I'm a hybrid i have angel blood you know so that was my kind of weird artsy interpretation of being like that's who i am you know and uh, then i was like in forums and i was a part of this you know communities and whatever art stuff and uh then i would see stuff about like what you said is it a demon? And people are saying that they're the Illuminati. They're the, you know, all the evils in the world is because of the Nephilim and everything. And I was like, what am I, am I evil? <laughs> What's evil. going on? <laughs> and I was talking in forums with people and we were just talking about how, um, you know, you get, to, you choose to be the angel or the demon. You choose good or bad. 
And so that's what represented that performance. I also had a demon performance. So I have like the angel and, and the demon, uh, the white feathers and the black feathers. And they have, um, they're tall, they're giants. I'm pretty tall for a girl. I tend to tower over men. Uh, green eyes, I have green eyes. Fair skin, I was like, oh my God. And they have the red hair and uh, I dye my hair black, but it's like a brown with like a reddish tinge in the sun. But you know, it's been a long time since I was a purebred, uh, <laughs> you know, angel. So, uh, and uh, I wanted to create physically the like extreme archetype of the Nephilim. So that's why I did the red hair and everything. But yeah, that was what inspired the angel Nephilim stuff. Yeah, for the audience, uh, check it out. Uh, it's uh, I think it's an incredible performance. Uh, I love it. For me, it was two things beyond the hypnotic performance and all that. It was the. It reminded me. I don't know if you've heard of the Yazidi. They're mm -hmm. a very ancient group, Gnostic group, and there is arguments that they are far older than Judaism and Christianity, that they are old, old. Is that how you say it? I've always read it, and I never know how to say it. It looks Yassidi. like, like acidic. I, I could me. be wrong. I could yeah. be. I mean, I'm, I'm just reading off, but uh, they have, in their core myth, they have an angel who rebels against the real God, and he's thrown down to the world, and he becomes the ruler of the goat, and he's called the peacock angel. So your feathers kind of remind me, maybe you were, oh, awesome. was it uh, Malek Daos, that's his name, the peacock angel. Huh. So of course, if this is true, this, this Gnostic group, who unfortunately has been persecuted terribly in the Middle East by ISIS and Saddam, they are really ones that came with the original core myth of the Nephilim and the fallen angel and all that. Wow. So your, your performance kind of... Brought it into my head, or you that's know what I mean? Amazing. That's what it touched. So. Yeah, I mean, there's these stories of these outerworldly beings coming down to earth and procreating with the human race, and all. I mean, there's in Sumerian cultures they talk about the Anunnaki, and like it, it's all over the world in different times and places. Yeah, that is true. It's a it's a primordial myth, like the flood or something like that. And then uh, the other thing too is the song you play, Ellie Goulding. And I remember when that song came out, my, my daughter, my, my other, she's 20, not 22, but she was whatever, she was 12, and she used to play it. I was like, this is a nice bebop disco song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with your performance, I was like, wait a second, this song is really powerful. And when I saw the lyrics, I was like, this is like the fall of Sophia or a UFO song where the lights are calling her, this yeah. woman. Lights, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, it's funny to to see that performance now because that was when I first started. Um, it was 2011. And uh, that was the song that was, it's definitely a dated song. So <laughs> it's like you hear it. It's kind of like, oh my God, that song. But that's kind of what you do with performance too. I mean, I heard you that in a nightclub. That was in a nightclub in, in Manhattan. So uh, you do something that the audience can be like, oh, this is a groovy tune. But at the same time, throw my weird alchemy and do some subliminal shit. <laughs> oh, weird alchemy, right? <laughs> uh, 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 oh, my God. Awesome. Yes, and great to see Amanda B. Edward Pandemonium is there. Who else? A lot of cool cats there in the chat room. So uh, the other question I had for you, Martina, is the Sun Lady. Why do you feel an affinity to the Sun Lady? Well, it's actually... And maybe you I can share really some know. pictures of her. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know about it. I only know about that because of you. Um, I saw that come up somewhere. I don't know if someone tagged me or, or how that, that still came up. But I was like, that looks like me in that picture. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I saw your pictures and always, maybe we can show the audience. I was like, yeah. oh my God, she looks like the sun lady in the book of Revelation. Yeah. So when so I, I was doing the show with Alex Rivera, who wrote this book about the sun lady in the book of Revelation, I was like, it's got to look like Martina. So I went to Shutterstock and I looked for a model that looked kind of like you. And then, Oh I, my God, you, know, you did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it is so amazing. I, you can always use my pictures anytime you need, please. Okay, please, you please, heard it but, here, audience. I can yeah. use it for, uh, for a show. To I love like, it. <laughs> guys, let's make, I have an art discord too. Let's let's make graphics for these guys. Let's make some some, some lady <laughs> shit. No, but actually, yeah, maybe that was some, that's something you could tell me and the audience about because I actually didn't know that much about it. And then when I saw the picture come up and I was looking at it and then I started getting inspired and I found other images or videos that I have that could be the sun lady. And I was like, I'm the sun lady. <laughs> the sun lady doesn't even know she's a sun lady. She's having yeah. an amnesis, gnosis, remembrance. <laughs> but yeah, what is that about the sun lady? Uh, well, she in the in the book of Revelation, and uh, of course, being raised Catholic, I was raised Catholic. It's not that we don't, you know, it is the end of the world and all that is not that important as people. So not as much as it is with Protestants or evangelicals. But in huh. one scene, there is this lady who has, she's crowned with the sun and she's uh, standing on the moons and the stars and she has a child and the cosmic heavens and then the drag this dragon comes and chases her into the wilderness and she has to hide her baby and this baby grows and eventually becomes and defeats the dragon so that's more or less the story in the book of revelation that's kind of like an echo of moses right <laughs> and, and the pharaoh yeah yeah it's a yeah the motif is there yeah. also yeah oh yeah so but if you want to show some of the pictures that you have, the ones that you've got the crowns and all that. Oh, yeah. I definitely like to do a lot of the Halo stuff. Um, God, I don't know. Where, do, where, where should I go for that? Maybe Instagram? I think I remember originally, I remember seeing it on Instagram. Oh, I did a Google search. I was doing Sun Lady and yours came up. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Uh, all right. I think I'm sharing it. We it shared. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot There's of like, Halo stuff like here. Um. But I have some other ones that are more sun-like, actually. Let's find that. Let's see. Sorry. Let's go down here. Yeah, like that one. I mean, the crown, too, is in a lot of alchemical imagery because it's like Kether, you know, like the crown. Uh, they use it a lot in to represent someone that has some sort of, like, spiritual gnosis. Right, right. And uh, the halo is, is like an art history. They used to do the, in the Renaissance painting, gold leaf halo type thing, and it's meant to... Yeah, be a halo and like reflective light and just have an aura. It's meant to be like an aura. So I like to use a lot of that imagery to create something like 
more than human, something more spiritual and stuff. So the crown and the halo is in a lot of like those alchemy lithographs and stuff. That's something that's uh, pretty prevalent in Catholicism, but not in Protestantism. You know, they dumped mm-hmm. all the halos and crowns, didn't they? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I don't know Protestant that much. No, it just occurred to me. You know, I never thought about it, but, you know. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think like what, the 12 stars around. 12 was always an esoteric number two. The, you know, 12 disciples, 12 the horoscopes, like everything. So, um, yeah, I've seen uh, pictures of uh, Gnostic Sophia with that symbolism as the mm-hmm. stars and, and the crown. Yeah. And she's still prevalent. And uh, I mean, she obviously came through in Greek Orthodoxy. Catholicism pretty much washed her away. And uh, interesting also, too, that uh, folk magic, hermetic folk magic, actually came through the United States even in the 16th and 17th century. You have like people with Hermes, Hermes Trismegidos written in like the United States and the country and all that. So. This stuff, uh, it definitely worked. And what would you say are some of the, are there any goddesses or female figures from the Bible that speak to you, Martina? Yeah. Now, so I have also, I think I went past it in there. Um, I mean, I'm Catholic, so I love the Virgin Mary, right? That's something my mother has always been like, pray, pray to, pray to the mother, pray, you know, for, for things, not for things, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I'll, I do depict that sometimes. And I will have people say that that's like heresy and everything or blasphemy or something. But now you have to understand in the performing art scene, uh, a lot of these people are not very religious. Uh, they find that very conservative. They find it to be conservative. They're very anti. And, you know, in the art scene, they have been, doing like anti-religious stuff for a long time. And since the sixties, it's trendy to bash Catholicism and stuff like that. So I've, I've worked with performers that dress as like nuns and they'll do sexual acts as nuns and do something like, ah, and then there's fire or whatever. I mean, really trendy, right? Like, Oh, edgy. Uh, so when I do it, I'm doing it out of adoration. I'm doing it out of like, I, I just see the glory of it and i want to kind of like um queen is it queen elizabeth the first she did something similar the virgin queen where she kind of rebranded herself with the pale skin and this aura and this really religious type of like divine presence to make her a little bit more untouchable and that's kind of what i do with with my costumes and why i do it so i do it not to to be blast to blasting, uh, I do it out of adoration. Yeah, and also it should be noted that uh, Queen Elizabeth did participate with John Dee in alchemical experiments. She was very much into alchemy and math and science, but she had a kingdom to run, so she had to do it very, very part time. But ah, I think her some have said that was a real passion was science and alchemy. That's interesting because that's the one royal that I've actually always had an affinity for. And that's my point too, is how, why I do the costuming like that is like, no, I want to do what Queen Elizabeth I did, which is make yourself this divine, you know, presence. So, yeah, that's what I try to do. Yeah, it must not be easy because 
in your circles, and I know you said something, I think the other day on Twitter, you said something like, I can't win. The right sees me as a heretical witch, and the left sees you as some crazy conservative with weird spiritual ideas. So you're, you're in a way, you are Gnostic. You're just caught in no man's land in the exactly. middle. Exactly. Thanks for seeing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's also the same thing where, okay, so I'm not a feminist by any means. I think that, you know, the duality uh, is important, the masculine and the feminine. It's, it's like the, the middle pillar ritual. You know, you got to balance the two aspects of, of the light and the dark. So it, the balance is really important. And I think feminism goes overboard and does too much feminine. Um, and then there's like on the right, this kind of aspect of bashing feminism so much that anything feminine or pro, you know, womanly is considered feminism and they freak out about it. And so, yeah, I do appreciate feminine goddesses. Uh, There's Isis. I I love the, you know, what is it? The tarot, the high priestess. I always love that. Um, And I love like these feminine aspects that are just like these, this the pure female archetype. And I think it's really important. Um, I don't think we should forget that and go to any of the extremes. We need to have that balance. And I mean, I'm a woman and I, that's what Lady Alchemy is portraying is the feminine archetype. So I try to embody that. How about Lilith? Have you ever, um, do you know who Lilith is in the ancient, stories and the uh, um, have you portrayed Lilith on on stage or I have you know? not uh, I, I am familiar with the story but that's not in the Bible is it what where did the Lilith come from no it's a like well Miguel, it's basically like this yeah if you read the Jewish book of lore, Genesis right? there's actually two creation accounts one it says where God said I made man and woman at the same time then suddenly it switches in chapter two, where it says, well, I made man because I was lonely. I made man, then the animals. And then because Adam is being all whiny bitchy, he's like, well, let me find you something. And he gives them Eve. Right. So he creates Eve. So the rabbis were, wait a second, there's two creation stories. So what happened in the first one? So they assume that Adam actually had a first wife. And through oral lore, they decided, well, this wife was too powerful. She didn't want to do, she wanted to have sex on top. She didn't want to do missionary. She was too. That's what what the rabbi said, so that Jewish women would be good. And so she was kicked out of the garden and she became the mother of demons. She became, she was so powerful. She became this mother of demons and bred with other demons and so forth. So, and many legends came from it. Is this from like Dead Sea Scrolls or some sort of other yeah. like uh, non-canonized? Yeah, this is rabbinic oral lore, so you oh. won't find you'll find it in like the Zohar okay. and some other of the letters, but obviously you won't find. I think in Isaiah it does talk about Lilith. Uh, there's one passage with Lilith, but uh, that's about it. It's pretty much all oral. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard heard that, but I've heard it in in the yeah she's she's uh like bad. She's a bad lady or something. But no. it's interesting to see that it could be interpreted as different, something different, not necessarily bad. No. Any other questions you see from the audience, Vance? Yeah, I've got a bunch buffered up. Uh, let's pick one. Uh, entheogens, uh, have you 
had any inspiration from those? You know what I mean? Mushrooms or any, you know, psychoactive substances? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when you study alchemy from what I have read they they say to keep a clear mind and don't do drugs because you know you gotta gotta be have a clear head for that uh, i think that is good advice but sometimes there can be some catalysts that kind of trigger those things in the brain um i've done shrooms and i felt it was a magical experience i wouldn't do it again i think you have to be ready i think that's what they say about the great work too is that it can drive you mad if you're not ready for it so um it's not something I would recommend to force yourself into any spiritual experience. But yeah, uh, I think also Aldous Huxley explains shrooms as seeing like uh, seeing a flower or like a plant for the first, like being like Adam and Eve and like being Adam and seeing a plant for the first time. And that's definitely how I felt about it. It's like you see something and it's like you're the first human to experience that. And it's like a really magical experience for sure. And I think I bought a bunch of, after I did streams, I bought a bunch of like magic and religious books after that. <laughs> but yeah, there's other stuff. I mean, I like marijuana, but I don't, I think it helps me just think in a different way. Um, possibly spiritual helps me create performances. But um, yeah, people are saying other things too. Like people talk about ayahuasca, they talk about other things. I, I don't think you should be dependent on that to get a, a spiritual experience, but I think it can aid to get maybe hit other levels or to tap into the brain in a different way that you, you haven't accessed or something. Now, somebody wanted to know if you read any of Gary Lockman's uh, works, like uh, specifically Dark Star Rising. Have you ever heard of that one? No, I don't know that one. I should look into some of that stuff. I'm going to write that down. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> there's so yeah. much. Because I get stuck in my same kind of go-to. I mean, we all know, like, the Emerald Tablet. and uh, I mean, I like oh, uh, yeah. I like Manly P. Hall, The Secret Teachings of, uh, of All Ages. Oh, I have yeah. a really cool book of that. It's a lot of really beautiful pictures. Um, I like Israel Regardi, The Golden Dawn. I mean, it's kind of really, yep. like... Not something that someone's like, let me learn about alchemy. And you open it up and you're like, what are these weird symbols and things? What? I don't get it. Like, but if you know about that, you can see the connections and you're like, okay, lesson one, you know, the elements and the symbols and the connecting of all of the things that make sense. So I like that. It's very dense. You know, I studied chemistry quite a bit in high school and college, and it ruined me on alchemy because every time I see alchemical things, I think of chemical things. So it just, messed my mind up and I never really was attracted to alchemy because of that as far as the actual practice with the, you know. Huh. Yeah. I never took chemistry really that much outside of high school, but uh, I would find studying organic chemistry interesting, but alchemy is like studying that in a like weird, like I said, the Catholicism in a sideways kind right. of way. Uh, but I do think that I remember reading in old chemistry textbooks they would talk about um the ether or the the a ether like oh, the oh yeah luminiferous ether or the uh... yeah and the the chemist and chemistry used to study that and believe in that um kind of ether energy and then they took it out which is weird we stopped teaching about that and uh, oswald wanted to know what your most bizarre burlesque experience was. <laughs> or thought, someone has asked me that before too. And I have to, I mean, 
I would just say it's probably seeing witnessing other performers because there's some wild shit people <laughs> like if you think my negretto piece is like she's a weirdo i mean like i said there's people dressing up as nuns and doing sexual acts or like that's burlesque <laughs> yeah, yeah it was just I, the really? tassels and the corsets and right 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 so there's something called like classic burlesque and then there's uh neo burlesque it's more which i consider myself more neo burlesque even though i do have like some classic stuff uh visuals uh but that's why i do kind of weird things or my costuming will, will be whatever um but yeah there's neo burlesque where people do just weird things, but it's in the genre of burlesque. I mean, I've seen people like defecate on stage and do things like that. No way. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, no, like they said, Frank Zappa did that. Supposedly. That's some alchemy. Frank There's Zappa like, did that's that? That's some alchemy. They, they've pulled things <laughs> out of their, you know, bits and stuff on stage. Like a clown is like just pulling down there, just pulling that handkerchief. Oh boy. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that stuff. So I would say that's probably weird. I've seen really strange. I mean, my world was, was wild. wild. What's so, the definition of burlesque? What would you, how would you define it? Right. So that's interesting because I feel like it's changed so much. Like it used to be that vaudeville time. Like it's part of vaudeville. So they would, it's actually comedy. Burlesque is supposed to be kind of part comedy. Um, but then Sally Rand and stuff started doing what I do is a little bit more like beautiful and it's like magical and, and pretty stuff but it is supposed to be like satire uh there's comedy it's definitely giving like the finger to like the man and the status quo which i think is kind of crazy because i got blacklisted for not being status quo and uh -oh. uh, i think that they are all pretty like you have to follow in line with the sjw kind of thing nowadays, <laughs> which is so anti-burlesque to me it's like burlesque is supposed to be the underground joint that you go to to see something really inappropriate and like shocking you know, just like I said, sticking it, there's political conversations in burlesque acts, but it's all satire. It's poking fun at something. It's making fun of the government or the status quo or whatever's going on. And they're not doing that. If you do that, you know, God forbid be a Trump supporter, then like suddenly you're not allowed in the community. <laughs> oh, that's heresy. <laughs> Yeah, I think polarized, it's, uh, you know? it's interesting. Yeah, as I said, I think it's terrible what happened to you. And I think even if you you switched it around, let's say the burlesque suddenly became conservative or MAGA, and yeah. you happened to be a liberal, it wouldn't have been fair to gang up on you and say, well, she's a communist. You know what I mean? It's, we're supposed yeah. to be seekers and artists. We're supposed to be looking for what's permanent. We're supposed to be expressing life. We're supposed to yeah. not get stuck on the temporal of what right. our politics. I mean, on this show, and Vance knows, we've had all time. We've had Trump supporters. We've had left wing and Tifa. We've had every spectrum. But what brings us together is we want to learn about the hermetics and the Gnostics and the bigger questions in life. So it's a uh, Right, yeah, and it's that's a pity that, that that's that's not the art world anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I, I being in the art world and knowing that they're all pretty left wing, I've always been friends with people, knowing that I don't probably don't agree with them on topics or things, and uh, that's what I assumed would happen with me. Is go, oh, she she votes that way. That's interesting. Didn't know that, but like, what does that have to do with my art or me as a person? <laughs> 
And there you have it, my beloved truth seekers. The first part of our discussion with Martina Marcota. We'll continue with the intensity in the second part, dealing with more alchemy, her upcoming comic book, and more on her life cast out of an industry for being a heretic of sorts. And much, much more. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feeds from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please, as always, become a member of Patreon and support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to the God Above God Dad Cam for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. I can't do it without you. And if you've got holes in your pockets due to the monkey shines of Archons, just message me and I'll give you a show on the burlesque house. I know these are Negretto times, and the alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to counteract the boot Yaldi as placed on the collective consciousness of humanity. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.